truthful session. What is you guys' TRT? Hey, what's going on, guys? On this installment of the Blood, Sweat, and Gear Coaching q and I'm joined by coaches Skip Hill and Andrew Berry. We are tackling a bunch of your listener questions as usual. Uh, appreciate you guys tuning in. If you enjoy the show, then do me a favor. Hit the like button. Leave us a comment. All that stuff helps to boost us in the algorithm. I've got timestamps below if you want to skip around. And hey, listen, if you're new here, if you haven't subscribed, then I encourage you to because we have several bodybuilding podcasts coming out each week, tons of entertainment and education that will help you to reach your goals faster. All right, guys, let's get to it. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Blood, Sweat, and Gear with Skip Hill, Andrew Berry. I'm Scott McNally. All of our programming is brought to you by truenutrition.com. You can use our code THINK. And we're also brought to you by supplementsource.ca for all you Canadians. I saw a, like a, a pack of ephedrine for like $3.95 there. And although it's for Canadian shipping only, <clears throat> that warmed my heart. It truly did. I got to say that. So, uh, be honest, Scott. Did you uh, take the uh, you know the, pa- the 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 package apart and maybe put them in a Tylenol bottle and you know the cross border? In maybe? my, oh. <laughs> sir, I suspect you are in possession of drugs, and I'm going to have to give you a full cavity search. Oh no, yeah, that's what I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would probably not be good. No, I didn't. I didn't do that. Uh, we can get ephedrine here, but. That's a, that's a whole other tale, right? Anyway, uh, we've got some topics for you guys today. Uh, you know, we've got Skip Hill here, uh, 20 plus years of coaching experience. Andrew Berry, you're at 14 years. I'm at about 13 years of coaching, meaning that between the three of us, we've literally seen 10 gazillion people transform their physiques and reach their goals. Uh, but seriously, um, you know, we're here today to help share our education and the sport to help you guys reach your goals. So we've got a bunch of listener questions. Uh, we've got a couple topics and I've got a bunch of stuff from our Patreon people. So I want to first of all say shout out to our Patreon people. We're going to start out with this one because it comes up every once in a while. It's almost like a, a dirty little secret in bodybuilding people that are in the bodybuilding lifestyle yet they use nicotine. I got this question here. Uh, I think this is it. If not, I'm going to pull up the wrong one. Let's see. Yeah, there we go. This is from Mike over at Patreon. He says, um, always wondered if nicotine caused any serious effects in muscle growth. Should you take nicotine out when going into a competition? And I thought, what the heck? We could make a, a topic out of that. I know we've got some good stuff about uh, blood glucose levels, too, so I'm excited to get to that. We've got a few other questions as well. Where do you guys want to start with this one? Well, first, I guess maybe we should talk about, like, how it's used, you know, whether it's, you know, smoking, dip, gum, lozenges, uh, the pouches, which are just the straight nicotine pouches. There's no tobacco actually in them. Uh, so there's a lot of different delivery forms, right? Uh, as someone, I'll, I can only speak for myself, really. You know, I dipped for a number of years, and then you know, over the years, I kind of transitioned that out into nicotine gum, which I continue to do today. Not just during prep, but you know, if I'm not chewing a meal, I usually have a piece of nicotine gum in the mouth. Mm-hmm. So, and at this point, I love I love the taste of it. Um, I don't, you know, there's a mild you know, ergogenic benefit, I guess, if you want to call it that, or some mental acuity, some appetite suppression, maybe. Uh, but I can still eat my meals in the off season when I'm, when I'm, you know, need to. So I don't, I don't really think it does that. It's more just, I like it. It, It's not hurting. Um, 
in terms of, you know, serious negative side effects, I've looked into it. There's none. There's one thing. Uh, it does uh, slightly interfere with uh, glutathione reductase activity, um, but not to the extent that uh, it causes any detrimental effects in any in any way, shape or form. So and, and I think if, if we did know this or if, if it did cause major issues, we would have known by now. Like, yeah. Like I know a lot, like do everyone remember that uh, video of um, the Marcus rule DVD where he gets out of the gym after training legs and he just starts <laughs> ripping butts yeah, and he just, has like one right after another, like yeah. even before he does his post-workout meal or anything, he's just sucking down cigarettes. Hell yeah. And that guy got fucking huge. So yeah. uh, I'm not uh, telling anyone to go out there and start getting involved in, in nicotine, but I'm just saying that no, there's no negative, uh, you know, serious effects on muscle growth in my opinion. With nicotine alone, that's like removing nicotine smoking, alone, correct. removing tobacco use all the stuff we've like because everybody right. already knows that stuff i guess right yeah but that's important yeah. to point out because i've done my due diligence and i've tried to find negative shit on nicotine and it's hard because most of what you find with the effects of nicotine they don't isolate it mm -hmm. from cigarettes or tobacco or anything else what i have found and this is just my opinion based on what i have found because i chewed copenhagen and kodiak for years i it's funny that you talk about not eating if i i always laughed and said if i wasn't eating fucking or sleeping i'd have a rub of copenhagen in <laughs> and some sometimes one of those might still no, no. Anyway. <laughs> now there was even time there was even times where i had trained and i would have a, a rub in at same the same here. time now that stopped here and I'm, i gotta tell the story real quick i was doing that this is years ago just met my wife it was a couple years into it. i was training with mark hoffman a little badass dude who was thick as shit in the michigan area i'm doing bent over rear laterals that's all i'm doing i'm not squatting or anything else <clears throat> and a little ball of the kodiak came out when i breathed when i was taking a breath in and i Ooh. bent over doing these real and it lodged in the back of my throat <clears> throat> right on the fucking floor in the middle of the and i'm laughing i'm fucking laughing with puke on me and everything else he's like what the hell what the hell ken because you know back then I was are kidding. you okay i wasn't i wasn't skipping yet so that metamorphosis hadn't happened yet. And, and I laughed and told him, like, I fucking just choked on my on my fucking chew. It got in my throat. Anyway, I had some breakfast right there on the floor. But anyway, they don't isolate the effects of, at least from what I've seen, of, of nicotine versus all the shit that comes in the cigarettes and in the chewing tobacco. And chewing tobacco is the same way. It's funny because I had someone in my family who was a tobacco farmer and he lived to be like fucking 90 something. He chewed tobacco every day, but he chewed it from the feet, literally like from the field after he had dried it. So yeah. there wasn't all the extra chemical shit and everything else in it. And I, I tend to think, even though everybody's got different hereditary and genetic, you know, predispositions, yeah. but I do think that that probably played into a little bit. There's the always that guy. I, you're going to get people who I are know. like, you know, yeah. But those yeah. are the ones that I'm going to latch on to. You know, like <laughs> right, my, right, right, right. Like my grandmother, who was his brother, this, uh, she <laughs> smoked until she was like fucking 90 and didn't end up dying from cancer. So I'm like, I, I hope I have that gene. I'm really yeah. hoping I got that one. So, so they don't isolate the difference. So that's why it's hard to separate what is really unhealthy and what isn't. But I do nicotine pouches because I pretty much have to have my nicotine. I've never noticed any type of difference. And, and I'm the type of person, because I'm so OCD, that if there was a negative impact or negative effect, even as much as I want my nicotine, 
I use it because I don't see any negatives there. Cause if there was, I just wouldn't do, I haven't had a drink in 11 years. I mean, I don't do, I don't, I think the last time I smoked pot, I just, I'm like, I don't even fucking like this shit. I probably smoked pot five times in my life. I'm not big on drugs. I am however, a professional drug user when it comes to PEDs. <laughs> That's another yeah. story. We can say too. I mean, I think a lot of people, cause a lot of the younger people I've talked to said, well, nicotine is a stimulant and that uh, you can use this as a weight loss agent. You can use this as an appetite suppressant. You know, in that I've heard people on other podcasts actually talk about like, this is a powerful supplement that you should be using in your prep. What do you guys think about that approach? I'm pretty quick with this one. I say this green tea is not very effective from a thermogenic standpoint, but it is better than nicotine. (laughs) So that's where I that's my opinion. Nicotine is so far down there that it's just not even worth. You know, if you're adding up little small percentages to get to 1%, go for it. But you ain't going to get there with nicotine. Yeah. And make sure yeah. that the other ones are are all added up first. Make sure you got that other 95. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah, exactly. you get the you do get that. You get the, the people who are focused on building the 1% when they haven't nailed yeah. the 95, you know, or sure. the, the 99. Absolutely. And I'm going to apologize yeah. for that solecism because I don't usually say ain't, but I did it for a fact. So. It's okay. Yeah. I'll say this though: the people that uh, like, like if some of my training partners or you know my local clients are like, "Oh, what, you chew nicotine gum?" They're like, "Really? Isn't that bad for you?" And I'm like, "No, not at all." And I think they look at me as obviously as an authority on some things. So mm-hmm. I say, "No, like it." You know, I've chewed it for like 20 years. You know, or I've had nicotine in my life for 20, 30 years or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but I'm like, here, if you want a piece, here, take half of it because you know they're like. And they're like, oh, I, I don't feel good, right? So I'm like, no, just you know, get a go, go get a two milligram piece, especially if you're in prep, and like it'll give you something to do in between meals. And they come back and they're like, holy shit, this is awesome! Like, because I think maybe the first time they do it, they do get a minor stimulant effect, of course, and they do get a little bit of a minor effect of like, hey, this is making my prep easier. And even if you're just talking yourself into thinking that your prep is easier because you're doing something, then who the hell is to say that's wrong? You know, so there is an addictive uh, component, though. I mean, in, in highly, oh, yeah, highly, do, addictive. it is very oh. addictive. Trying to stop chewing, I'm like, and I still to this day, as much as I like the nicotine from these pouches, give me a rub of Copenhagen and I'll be happier. I wish it didn't do the shit that it does to you with all the extra stuff in it because I would be back to chewing in a, in a second. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, and here's here's the reality, too. Uh, this is uh, Bill, one of the guys that I work, he says, I uh, work with, he says, and he's a very obsessive compulsive guy. All his training's mm-hmm. perfect. Nutrition is on point. He says, I'd end up chewing a box a day, maybe two. And I think that like <laughs> if you're not doing it, my advice would be don't start if you know, because it's expensive. Like, yes, yes. And it is, you know, it is a, an addictive thing. I think that like the you know how Andrew, you're like, I like the taste. I think yeah. that I like the taste of coffee. And I think the reason that we like those things, like people who smoke, they like the taste of cigarettes. And I yeah. think it's because there is that, like you get a, you do get a dopamine hit from it. So we like, we oh, connect course. to that. You know, I had, when I started smoking, I smoked at 15. And when I started smoking, I started smoking because I read in flex magazine. It was one of the little articles. It was like one of the little two paragraph blurbs. And they were saying that, in the 50s and 60s, the Russian bodybuilders would smoke cigarettes during their cuts to help lose fat. And I was like, oh, shit, I need to get cigarettes. 
out of that whole Damn. magazine. That's yeah, the yeah, that yeah, yeah. That's it. what I did. That's what I did. That's why I'm hesitant. I'm like, guys, don't get on the nicotine, you know, because yeah. then it led me down yeah. a path for a long time that that was, you know, that it was very unhealthy, you know. And then, although I hadn't smoked for some time, makes me wonder, you know, like I got I got very ill from COVID, and I'm like, huh, you know, I did smoke. Did that have a re? Is that a reason that my lungs? I don't know. I don't think that was it because my lungs were actually really healthy. But you know, nonetheless, though, that's something that sticks with you. But yeah, that was my story. Is I I discovered nicotine because Flex Magazine basically told me that I should start smoking. <laughs> Barry Demay smoked quite a bit too back in Did the day. He? Yeah, Did he? that's different country type stuff, though. I mean, yeah, that's, you know, Marcus Rule being from another country, you know, Barry, I can't remember where he was from. I want to say it was something and I'm guessing it was like Switzerland, Finland. So originally, yeah. I can't remember blonde, blue eyes. Maybe it was Switzerland, Finland. Fuck, I, don't mm-hmm. I got a, a, just a real quick one. When I um, when I was working in Mexico, we had um, all the, there was a bunch of Americans there with me and we were, it, it was in photography and in the morning we would get all of our slides back all of our film would come back and we had this room that had all these light boxes set out on the table and we're intermingling all of these americans and all of these latin american people from mexico and surrounding countries and you know everybody's got their coffee in the morning it's early and I remember this Mexican chick standing there with her coffee and she just lights up a cigarette right in the, of the room. <laughs> yeah. And all the Americans were like, oh, my God. But, yeah, it was like it was just a normal thing, you know. Yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm old enough to remember when you would smoke in a restaurant. Dude, you'd smoke like everywhere. It was nothing. Yeah. And then now I go into a club or something like that. And I'm like, how in the fuck could I deal with this? Like I reek already yeah. and i've been here for 10 minutes and you smell your clothes when you leave i'm like god yeah. and to each their own i mean that you know that's cool when i met my wife she smoked and then i married her and she doesn't smoke anymore ah! anyway that's not <laughs> what i was getting at but i saw it i was setting it up and it was there so i took it but the point is when she and i didn't have an issue with it then but my wife yeah. never smelled like cigarette smoke she wouldn't smoke in the house she wouldn't smoke in the car nothing like that so and then she ended up quitting because i guilted her into it <laughs> All right. So I know that we had this last minute topic. I, I don't know anything about where we're going to go with this, but I'm excited to hear it. Uh, Skip, you have a high level client that is experiencing some high blood sugar issues. And Andrew, you had some thoughts on that. Skip, how do we want to set this up? Well, there's a lot there. I'm going to try to be as concise as I can, because I think that there are other people. You know, it's funny because I have one client that I'm talking about specifically in this situation, but I've had three or four with pretty high blood glucose levels. Uh, that have, you know, and it's funny because when you train and you get leaner and you, you know, things like that, you can control and people need to understand if you're even diagnosed as pre or type two, you know, diabetic, you'd be surprised the very, very large majority of those cases can be controlled by exercise and getting leaner and and that sort of thing. And I mean, very high, like probably 95% or more substantially can be controlled. So if you are diagnosed and you don't think that it can be controlled or you're not convinced of it, you're, you're just wrong and you're not taking the steps that you can. This particular situation though with my client is a little bit different in the sense that he's doing everything right and these levels are out of control, um, very, very high. Okay, now there are other contributing factors, but what is odd is growth hormone hasn't increased it, yet the Ipamer, I, how do you say it? Ipamer, Hypermoline, thank you. Um, I say hypertrophy. So, you know, there's that. And Rich Gaspery, 
for years until I heard it. And I'm like, Gaspari, hypertrophy? <laughs> anyway, hypertrophy, that's weird. So, yeah. So, uh, but then when starting, say it again. Hypermoron. I just called it, called IPAM. There you go. Then the numbers started going up. Now, it could be an odd coincidence because they should come down. But the point is, is these levels are like two and three hundred. Okay, so and Ooh. they can get yeah, they can get pretty high. Now, the eating as far as the actual food sources aren't much of an issue. Mm-hmm. We what happened was he was using metformin. There was no impact. And again, I'm giving you the cliff notes version here. So if he's listening, he's going to be like, no, but what about this or that? But for brevity, I, you know, I can't go into every single detail, um, but we can off the air. So the in using the metformin, it wasn't working. So I, I offered the options and you know, you guys, I, I always do this. And I tell other prep guys the same, do the same shit. Remind yourself that you're not a doctor, you're not an endocrinologist, and accept and and be good with the fact that it, these situations like these sometimes are outside of your wheelhouse, but you can still advise based on experience like, gosh, okay, let's talk about this, let's consider this and everything else, but always encourage in situations like this for your client to speak with an endocrinologist and someone who fucking knows that background. Then you can balance out the medical side with the bodybuilding side, and ultimately the client makes his own decisions. Don't make these decisions for your clients. There's my disclaimer. So. It's Can not working there. Yes. Go ahead. Can I interject one thing there. Yep. And I a hundred percent agree with you. And I think in a perfect world, there would be doctors on this endocrinology, endocrinology side that can fill in the gaps that maybe we can't. I find sometimes working with people that do have issues, whether it's women with hormones or a similar situation, to what you're talking about, whether it's a blood sugar issue, autoimmune disease in particular, um, doctors are sometimes clueless or they, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like very clueless. And I'm not trying to throw anyone in the medical profession under the bus at all because it could just be sometimes these people are just getting bad doctors, you know, or or people Mm -hmm. that aren't, you know, they don't think about things maybe the way we do. And you give them like a note or a a list of things like, hey, this is what we're seeing. This is when your blood sugar drops or this is when it's rising. These are the things you're doing. Make sure this doctor knows that. I don't. And sometimes I think the doctor doesn't even look at it. And they're just like, I agree with you this case. And they just kind of pass it down the line. So anyway, but I I do agree with you, like formally in the sense that like we absolutely should always defer and and get the input. Exactly. And and I completely agree. I think what I'm coming at from is a not even just a, um, a uh, your conscience so that you're, you're good in, with your conscience, but from a liability standpoint. Yeah. So that way you kind of approach it as you're working in cohorts or in, in conjunction with the client and the doctor versus not implying to the client that, yeah, you should probably be speaking to your doctor too, or, oh, I know so much. No, do this. He's stupid. You know, that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. And then kind of, yeah. but anyway, so anyway, he, um, so the metform, I basically offered the two options of look, you can there, there's a root problem here there's a there's a core problem that if you're going if we're going to go to insulin and we're going to use insulin you're basically putting again a band-aid on a gaping wound it will help to handle the problem but it's not going to fix the problem so i said the other thing is you, you know you talk to your endocrinologist let them know Scott. the other thing is your endocrinologist is not going to be very supportive in a situation like this of growth hormone and everything else that we do that comes along with it so the client has to decide whether they want to add those things or take those things out that sort of shit. but there was no difference between the growth hormone and not when it came to blood sugar levels which i was also surprised by but anyway the other thing that the, they did was they they put him on glipizide now i don't know if you guys are familiar with it i wasn't terribly familiar with it uh until recently but it basically I mean, this is the short version, but it, you know, makes your pancreas kick out more um, endogenous 
uh, insulin makes it essentially more efficient, which is a good idea. Problem is, is we then I need I told him I say, well, we can't run the insulin with the glipizide there. It's counterintuitive. You're you know, where we need to either get the insulin out, let the glipizide work or take the glipizide out and rely on the insulin. So went with the glipizide. It helped a little bit. Things were starting to come down and then we can't figure out why they were going back up. So obviously with the, with the, um, you know, the putting in the IPAM. Thank you. I'm just gonna call it IPAM, but yes. putting in, I don't know why I can't get this right, but anyway, putting in the IPAM, then now it started to climb over the last couple of weeks. So obviously it's no brainer, you know, that needs to be pulled. But outside of that, there are just issues that aren't very predictable. And I don't know why that is. Did you pull the growth too? Yeah, we this? tried growth okay. with the growth with that without. The other thing is too is on um, when he loads, we have to be careful to not go too high, you know, ridiculously high on carbs without keeping uh, my, a pretty good fat intake in there too to help the you know blood sugar levels so they don't get crazy. But they don't go ridiculously high, so there isn't this sharp contrast between him loading and taking in more carbs versus not taking in carbs during the week. And and again, there's a lot of this is very perplexing. Oh, and let me add too, we got the insulin doses. They were starting to get pretty high. They were frequent. We were running uh, N and Humalog, and it wasn't doing anything. It got to the point where the dosages were getting up so high between the N and the, the log, log at every meal and N early in the morning. Didn't do the N every 12 hours because I, I, we didn't get to that point yet because I didn't like the, the overlap. The dosages were getting big and I wasn't real comfortable, not because they were big, but because he wasn't responding. And growth like, was in? Literally. Was, was growth in at that time or was growth out at that I'd time? I'd have to go back and look. Okay. I, I honestly would have to go back and look. But you the only said thing the growth that stands didn't have an effect one way or the other. Like yeah. That's what I was thinking too. So I don't know if okay. it would, but one way or okay. the other, there was, and so, if, if there was an impact, it was negligible. Okay. So a couple of things, um, has he had like a full, has he had like a cortisol, like a diurnal cortisol test? Has he tested like his cortisol levels? Uh, I don't know what they are, but full extensive panels. There was nothing that really stood out, but I'll go back and take a look at that. But I, there was nothing that stood out that made okay. me go, oh shit. Well, the, cause there's two, there's two things I'm thinking here. There's something that's attacking his beta aster cells, um, from an autoimmune standpoint, possibly that's not allowing his body to produce insulin. Right. So his, that's why his blood sugar is staying so high. And that's why you're requiring so much more, uh, exogenous insulin just to, you know, get him back to somewhat normal levels. That could be one thing. The other thing, and, and this is, I know I mentioned earlier that I might've had some insight on this because I actually had a different issue, which I could explain a different, you know, someone's blood sugar was just dropping out of the blue for no reason. I can explain that later. But the other thing I'm thinking is if they're stuck in just like crazy fight or flight, cortisol causing the liver to dump glucose, like constantly, 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 um, keeping that blood sugar like super elevated. I mean, it would be more than probably anything I'd ever seen with somebody, but it, anything's possible is this guy like a high strong like type a get it done kind of no. person he's a chill no, now okay. he trains his fucking ass off he trains like a goddamn animal but he's yeah. not a high strung high or at least he doesn't come across that way i i have not seen that in him uh okay. seems to be relatively even kill he's relatively happy with life doesn't have all these huge stresses that sort of thing but because he trains so intense and so you know you have to wonder what part you know, that plays in, but we're talking too fasted of over, you know, well over 200 
in the morning. So when you're talking about glucose dump, things like that, I mean, clearly that. So are you, so, okay. So his fasted glucose is sitting around 200 a lot of time. What about like his response, like in the postprandial, like or post-absorptive phase, like, is it what, like two plus hours after a meal, is he still like at a 200 or 300 or is oh, he back yeah. down to? Yep. Okay, yeah, so it it's go, all day. It, goes, it's not just it can fast. go up from there. It's literally all over. Okay. And I'm a big patterns guy. Like I, my clients will be laughing yeah. when I say this. There's a pattern to everything. You just have to find it. I cannot fucking find hmm. a pattern here, and it's bizarre to me. Have you pulled his training at all to like nothing, or even just like not to not to nothing? It's certainly a possibility that we could cut. The problem is, is I think he's an all or none guy. He'll do what I he'll do what I recommend. He'll do what I tell him to do. Yeah. But he's an all or none guy to tell him to just pull back. That's not going to, it would have to be pretty much. You need to rest for like, no, I mean, I would be very specific. And... I'd be like three training sessions a week, upper, lower legs, 45 minutes tops, three reps in the tank on every set, no matter what, no drop sets, no, no special, you know, techniques or anything, no squats or deadlifts. Like I don't care what other exercises you're doing just as long as you're not working that hard basically. Yeah. So like, yeah. like bring, bring someone, bring your gym buddy, to you uh, to the gym with you the one that likes to fuck off and not really train hard bring him <laughs> right. with you for two weeks three sessions a week on top of that pull your cardio down to literally just three walking sessions outside um and see just see if that makes it maybe has an effect on it like one way or the other you know um, and, and i'm that, completely up for that what is perplexing me about that though is it they were coming down and his training hadn't changed. Now, I'm not saying that that's a bad idea. I'm literally to the point where I have to, I, we just got to try some yeah. shit. We got to yeah, back yeah. off and see. But, but at the same time, he has he has had those numbers come down and it's only recently started going up with the IPAM again. So then it's like, oh shit. So yes, I can see a, a you know connection there in either directly yeah. or indirectly, but yet it could also be a coincidence that it's not related to it. Because I mean, we can all agree, I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, the IPAM should not, should certainly not be increasing it and should probably be helping to bring it down. No, with growth hormone uh, in general will bring blood sugar up. Yeah, so IPAM yeah, I, would as well. We, and has an effect okay. on ghrelin too. So yeah, I, I'm more Scott's camp there that I would think it would have a, in your case, net negative effect on his blood sugar and in, in, in increasing it. Um, for, I just didn't I think expect the impact to bring it up when the growth didn't seem to impact it. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying- Maybe it's that, fake growth. That I'm right. <laughs> yes, I know, right? <laughs> shit, I mean, I was to the point where I thought, is your insulin dead? Because how can you be taking all this insulin yeah. and it's just not working yeah. like nothing? Like it was literally yeah. like it wasn't taking anything. So, hmm. all right. Huh. So uh, does he have digestive issues at all? Not that, not of anything of any significance that now, okay. and he's putting down a good amount of food and he could still okay. be putting down more food. I do have to touch base with him. He'll be getting me his um, update this weekend because he just spoke, or yeah, say Saturday. Uh, he just spoke yeah. with his endocrinologist on Thursday. So there might, you know, there may be more information there that I haven't gotten. I'd like to think usually when he gets solid information, I hear about it right away. So because it's been a couple of days, I don't know that there's anything pressing and there. But nonetheless, I got to touch. But yeah, you, know. you, you guys test as fast at insulin levels too, right? Oh, yeah. Like well, not the in, not. No, not the insulin. Nope, not the insulin. Okay. I'm sorry. That, I, thought you said I would do that. I, I would absolutely get as fast at insulin levels checked. Um, that could give you a lot of insight here. Yeah. Um, then you could figure out his uh, uh, HOMA IR score. And then, uh, well, hey, I mean, even like you could just spot an abnormality in the facet insulin level right off the bat. Yeah. And that could tell yeah. you something, you know, it sounds like it's probably going to be very nil, like, like very low. Yeah. So, well, it almost happened. Yeah. yeah. 
listen, do yeah. us a favor, keep us posted on this because it, yeah. it's yeah, kind of a, kind of a this. yeah. It's not this is not our normal type of thing. Normally, we're like, hey guys, here's the answer. But in this case, I think yeah. this is kind of cool because it's a you know it's a question that you're still trying to work through. So I, I look it doesn't apply to, learning. to a lot of the people who are who are listening and I get that, but at the same time, you don't know the type of, you know, anybody who's listening, you don't know what you're going to run into when it comes to using all the you know different compounds and whether you, you may not even use insulin, but you could run into blood sugar levels yeah. and he's not, you he know does, he's not obese. He's not, he doesn't have ridiculously high body fat levels. I mean, he's in the off season. He's certainly growing like crazy and his weight is up, but it's not anything that is, you know, off the charts. And, and, and you've worked with him for a while crazy. too. Yeah, exactly. What's up, Linus? I know, yeah. right? I was Shout just out ready to, to Linus. So is it is it one Dude, of those things fuck. where if you didn't see these blood sugar levels, you wouldn't even think anything about anything? Like, no, there oh, would be no way to know. He's, every... Yeah, he's he's okay. growing like everything. Is it possible is... his monitor is fucked up? Like it's just not a good monitor, or or is his blood work showing? I blood? guess his, it. Uh, I mean, I. I... I mean, I guess it could be, but I'd have to go back. I don't think so because that would have been, we would have caught something right. in the blood work. That I'm just trying gone. to think of the but, easiest, most yeah, obvious. Sure. Sometimes, you know, and sometimes like, the most obvious, exactly. Yeah, he's like, he's progressing. Yeah. He's huge. He, you know, he's not carrying shitloads of body fat. He's not, he's sleeping well. He doesn't have digestive right. issues. He's not complaining of energy. So I'm like, okay, maybe the glucometer is just like way off right now. And it's, you know, it's up by 200 and, and, and really he's sitting at 80, but you're thinking 280 or it's saying 280 right. to you, you know, I, right. I would get another glucometer just to double check it, you know? Yeah. That's not a bad idea in there. All right. We got a few more questions here. Let's see if we can get through some of these. Another guy from our Patreon. Oh, actually, no, this is from the uh, the Facebook group. This is from Kane Batista. So he says he's sensitive to estrogen. Any concerns with adding HCG into his TRT? So I believe, uh, I don't know the exact mil, you know micrograms or whatever, but adding, say, a shot of HCG will cause a... Um, like a two to three in percent increase, no, two to three times increase in estrogen uh, conversion in a 24 hour period. You I get a lot of, you get a lot, there creates that sharp spike of test. It's a sharp spike more than, is basically what I'm saying. Yeah. So, yeah. so like if you are sensitive, you might want to do something with an aromatase uh, or with a, with an AI in that 24 hour to 36 hour period. That's what I would think too. I, we asked him why in the group, and he said he was trying to bring size back to the boys. That's his goal. I wondered. That was going to be my likes... next question because it says adding it into, and I'm thinking, why were you not already? Because typically if you're you know, on TR, that's something HCG you would do from the start. So I didn't know if maybe he was going to attempt to come off TRT or something to that effect. I, I wasn't real sure. But as far as the concern, yeah, concerns, or it's going to impact your estrogen levels. There's kind of no way yeah. around it i'd almost say like you were saying even more so than trt unless it's yes. a 500 dose trt yeah <laughs> which is you don't TRT, know what the dose is. yeah exactly you don't know what that dosage <laughs> is. i think he does he does more like a real trt but gotcha. I, yeah. I think that you know what uh i feel like it, in later or recent years people are a lot more aware of the uh the level of issues that hormone fluctuation can cause I remember a decade ago, people were just like, hey, just take your shot, you know, take two shots a week. That's good. And now I see guys that are like, oh, well, I microdose with insulin pens and I'm taking my TRT every day. I'm taking this, you know, 10 milligrams or 
whatever. I, I feel like we've come a long way with that. But this, this is an example right here, yeah, of that you'll create a lot of, well, you a, a lot of fluctuation. Yeah, you and me, Scott, have talked about this on a number of occasions about splitting your injections, whether you're on a prep cycle or a TRT dosing, um, just about how we feel better. We notice less uh, variations or side effects, I guess. For sure. Um, but here, here's a serious question, okay? Truthful session. What is you guys' TRT? I will run, but I do blood, my blood work. I would always ran 225 milligrams because that put me at about 1050 1080 how many milligrams right around two right around 220 but now what i would do is i would split because i've always done this my clients know this so they know what's coming but uh even with trt i'd always split it 50 50 with sip and probe so i would dose every 84 hours uh that's just something that i had found over the years because i ran trt from 13 to well for five years starting in 2013 when I had all those blood issues. So I needed to, I don't know if I needed to, but I wanted to make it as efficient and optimal as possible yeah. from going for, and, and I really did very, very well on it. And then I got to sea level. I'm like, Oh, I don't have any blood issues. And a little more time to oh, step on the gas. <laughs> Bam. <laughs> I'll be honest. I had to stop and think, okay, if I forgot to take my shot uh, for about three days, and before that, I forgot to take my shot for about three or four days. I was trying to like do the math. I can't yeah. tell you. I've been taking about 150 milligrams of test when I remember, basically, yeah. is, is where mm-hmm. I'm at right now. And um, and I want to try to start boosting that up a little bit. And I was just telling myself, like, you know, I, I was thinking about it. And I was like, man, when I when I had been on cycle, I'd stay really consistent with my shots, you know, in the past. I was like, I'm having a hard time just remembering like the, I know I tell people like, Hey, you're better off splitting up your TRT and two shots per week and all this, but I'm lucky to, I'm lucky to remember once a week to be completely honest, but I'm trying to get back up to that two times a week. And I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to go back up a little bit beyond TRT. Now, a while back, this was maybe when, not too long ago, this is before I went to Canada, I ran an experiment adding in 50 milligrams of trend Trenace twice per mm-hmm. week. And I'll tell you what, man, I might go back to that because my focus level got better. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm still like, you know, people still ask me, they're like, so you're hundred percent now. I'm like, no, I'm not a hundred percent. I just did. You guys would laugh at the workout I did yesterday, but uh, I'm thinking like when I was on the trend at that low dose, I feel like I'm wondering from all the gear use, I feel like I'm androgen insensitive now or something. Like if you were to just put me on regular TRT for the rest of my life, I feel like I would never be like, like feel like that strong feeling again in my life. But when I put that 50 milligrams of training twice a week, I was like, oh yeah, I'm back. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm thinking better. I'm moving faster. I'm working harder. You know? So I, I think I need a little bit more. I think I need the TR, TTRT, test and trend replacement therapy. Let me ask you guys a question real quick. This is on the same topic. I know we got to move on, but I'm curious. I think this is a good question. I'm not telling you what I think. I'm going to get what you guys think first. Then I'm going to tell you what I think. I always like that too. What about running a lower TRT dose of testosterone, but adding proviron? What about adding Masteron? Yeah, or Masteron or, for that matter. I was trying to keep it simple, but yeah. I, you know I'm a Masteron about- guy. Yeah. Yeah, we're primo. Yeah, no, exactly. so, so my, my go-to with the competitive guys that are really in the game is 
somewhere in the 200 to 300 tests and somewhere in the 200 to 300 Primo or Masteron for like low dose cruises. And, you know, obviously monitoring blood work and, you know, seeing what's going on there for myself personally, it used to be that. And over the years, it's fallen more to like 125 of, of test and 125 of mast or 125 of Primo. And because it works really, really well. Yeah, it does. And I, you know, it, it, it really does. People, they don't, yeah. It, I'm, you know, I'm glad to hear that you let me slow down. I'm glad to hear that you use that type of because I do. And mm-hmm. I didn't know and I wasn't sure if other people not only used it, but would consider it TRT because when you start adding other things in besides TRT, then you weren't. But think about it. You're making with either Masteron or Proviron, you're making that that testosterone dose so much more optimal yes. that you could burn the dosage down. And the reason I said Proviron over Masteron, and I'm a big Masteron fan. We, for me, Scott knows this from years and years with me and the S2H going back and forth. He was a Proviron guy and I was a Masteron guy. I'm with but you on the Proviron, mask. But Proviron really, I mean, you could take it to your blue in the face and there really hasn't been anything that, I mean, it's relatively innocuous. And I say relatively because yes. I don't want to be black and white by saying something like that, yeah. but relatively innocuous versus, you know, I don't see Masteron as any big, a little Very bit different. Than, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I Very even see Masteron and Proviron as, you know, I see Proviron as far more innocuous than, than even Masteron. I don't, Though I don't think Mastron is, you know, terribly bad. I think it's a relatively, you know, good drug too. Yeah. But I'm glad to hear you say that because I wasn't sure how you guys felt about that. But I'm, I feel very strongly about that, and I think it's a very, I think that's a good way to make your TRT even more effective. I mean, anytime, you know, instead of focusing on total test levels like so many people do, it really does come down to the free testosterone, SHBG. I mean, that's yes. just king shit. When I see. Mm-hmm. TRT doctors or clinics that don't even track the free testosterone. I'm like, what, how, how can you do that? What the fuck? You just yeah. give them total testosterone. They don't know any better. God damn. Yeah. I've used low dose of mass in the background and had <clears throat> free test in like the high triple digits before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you guys. Yeah. I, right. I, you guys probably the same way now where like, have you gradually moved away from like cycles to, you basically stay on this really low dose of tests and maybe you run a little bit of Mastron or Proviron or whatever. And then you only do cycles when you're competing. Personally, no, because, you know, I haven't competed now, okay. so I got to be doing my cycles. But hey, the, uh, there is wait. some. I mean, when, there, when, there when, definitely okay, is some... and maybe not competing, but when you're really trying to, like, you know, improve how you're looking, like maybe you go on a little a diet of some sort, whatever. Like you're getting ready for this for the skip summer, you know, hot, hot skip summer. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, and I, there's certainly logic in it. I'm going to be honest, completely transparent, and say though that I am, I like to be on, but I don't run oh, massive doses either. I mean, I d- certainly did last, you know, uh, in 2020, but that was the exception to the rule. Um, and I, and in fairness, I did admit that even though I saw a difference, it wasn't worth the ridiculous amount of increase for the dosing. So mm-hmm. I have found that, look, I mean, it's just less, um, am I having a problem with the sound or no? My sound no. okay? Okay. My phone yeah. uh, but I have, I, I feel that if I, if, I don't want to say staying on longer, but staying on longer probably than most people, 
um, my dosages aren't as high and blood work and everything else has been good. I haven't done, I call it the John Meadows approach where he is often very low dose for a very, very long time. And then he goes on. I don't do that. I honestly feel that I can't and don't respond as well as I do when I stay on longer, but I do have a point going to what Scott was saying, how you said you would thought that you are, you were kind of AR, uh, what were you saying that you like insensitive or something yeah, like something that. like that. I have been on long enough where sometimes I just go, I'm just getting this look that is just, it almost looks beat up. It doesn't look, and I've seen, have you guys seen that? I've seen competitors where I've, I can look at them and go, you're, and I don't want to mention any names, but there's one that we all know who's on social media. Oh, that gave it you, away. Yeah, but I, you, <laughs> if I told you guys, I'm going to text you. I'm going to text you right now while I'm talking, and, and you'll There's know. a competitor you'll know, and he's but on social get, media. You can get a look. I, I can tell, and I go, God, that guy's been on a long fucking time. There, to me, there tends oh, to be a little bit say. different look. And I then when I they get off and they go back on, then they can um, – there you go. What I, mean, what I mean by that is if you just oh, went to your family thing. doctor – and your family doctor is like, okay, yeah, we're going to put you on TRT. You're going to take uh, 200 milligrams every two weeks. Like for the average, because that's like the old school route. And there are some doctors that will still tell you to do that. Like, I know you look at me crazy, Andrew, but there's probably like, you know, I could probably like search doctors near me right now yeah, no, you're right. and find a dozen doctors near me that would all tell you like, oh yeah, this is the prescription. You know, it's either that or, you know, or you could do 100 milligrams every week. But regardless, it's like, I think for a lot of us who've been in the game for a really long time, you put it, you get on that and that's it like, like for the rest of your life. I, I just feel like that's kind of on the low end. You know what I mean? Oh, hundred yeah. percent. I do got to say uh, the clinics are doing better now. Cause like I had a client that uh, like he, I, you know, he asked his local doctor around here. He's a local guy. If he could get something, cause you know, I had him do blood work and his, his, you know, testosterone levels were like two thirty or something like that. And I'm like, oh, dude, like, ask your doctor. Like, this can help you out big time. Because he's a big boy, and he's got a lot of weight to lose, and he's, he's getting his shit together. You know, he's lost 40 pounds in the last maybe five weeks. Like, we're really hitting it. Anyway, the doctor said, no, I don't feel comfortable giving you TRT, which I was like, okay, we got to look at one of these other clinics. Because I know, like, the Florida clinics will give it to you in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. So I hooked him up. Right. Yeah, I hooked him up with Titan Medical. Now, instead of just saying like, Hey, take this one, you know, 200 milligrams on Sundays. They're like, look, we want you to do this every fourth day. We want you to take 125 milligrams or whatever the dose was. That's what so they I are should be doing. Yeah. Right. Like they're being very like educated about, okay, looking at the half-life of the drug and when it's going to, how it's going to benefit him the most with the least amount of side effects and variation in his hormone levels. So true nutrition has supported our programming now for a number of years and i'm super grateful for it because they believe in us and i believe in them i'm sure you guys have heard of dante trudel we talk about him on the shows uh, he had a vision of offering high quality third-party tested supplements at a fair price they have a ton of different protein powders just about every type you could think of literally thousands of flavor combinations hit me up if you're interested in suggestions they offer health supplements i use their collagen and their fish oil and of course they offer performance supplements you can get bulk eaa powder or beta alanine you can also get finished products like the mountain dog perry md intra workout if you shop with true nutrition and you use our code think You'll get some additional savings, you'll get high quality supplements, and you will support our programming. 
You can also help to support the shows through Patreon. I appreciate everybody who's made a contribution. You guys are helping to keep me pumping these podcasts out. I have links to everything in the description. Check them out. Let me know what you think. And let's get back to the program. Back to the Patreon people. He says, can you, from Nick, can you talk about tanning, shaving, posing, size, and conditioning how they all tie together for scoring. Uh, I know you've, you've touched on it, but I'd love to get more info. Also, how does it change from class to class or female to males, or does that not matter? I think they all want you to be shaved, <laughs> even even in bikini. I mean, it's a total... Yeah, exactly. It, it doesn't change from division to division. It's just a total package. It, it, you know, tanning isn't any more important than, well, yeah, it probably is. You got to show up with a tan. But the point is they all should be a good tan. It's too. just part of, yeah, it's just part of the total package. So you need to look at them all as being uh, equally important, even though we could argue that, you know, conditioning and, and size and everything else is <clears throat> certainly a little bit more important. But it's just total package. It's why leave out? Why not pay attention to the very, very small, easy things to do? Uh, like the posing, like the tanning, like the shaving, when the hard part is the conditioning and the size. I mean, you put so much yeah. time and effort into it. There's such a massive investment, even financially, to leave something minor like that. I always think about that even with posing. Yeah, It's like all you got to do is practice your posing. I know it's not simple, but it's it's certainly not like training and dieting. I mean, shit, you did the hard part. Do the, do the little things too, because they absolutely will matter. Are you going to win because you have a slightly better tan than the other person? Probably not. John Meadows. All things have, being equal. Yeah, exactly. Uh, two physiques, two physiques being almost exactly equal in conditioning and muscularity, symmetry, et cetera. And so I guess I mean, it depends what level you're at then, because how often, you know, you know, nationals, like Nate Speeder yeah. this year, he's going to have to make sure he nails all that stuff. You're yeah. doing your first show or even like, let's take it further. Novice show, you know, yeah. dude, I've even had a guy, a, a, a judge tell me at the state level that they don't really judge posing. He's like, I don't nah. disagree. Well, they, they don't judge. They don't judge posing, but here's the thing with that. They don't judge it from a choreograph. Like, fluid dance artsy type but if you aren't presenting your mandatory poses to the best of your ability it, let's say your chest doesn't look big then why would you need a why would you work your ass off to have a big chest to begin with and i agree with that proper posing in the mandatories and the quarter turns is so vital because if someone doesn't do it and they're better than you they cannot look better than you 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 can be yeah. very very good at posing and you can close that gap with someone who's better than you who doesn't pose well so again it's just so relatively minor yeah. that i don't know why people don't do it but they don't i know they won't focus on posing like you know because a lot of npc shows if you've been around for 15 20 years they used to do like the individual routines during prejudging and oh, they yeah. don't do that anymore. They don't do it in the large part of the States because it's just a giant fucking waste of time because you're not being compared to anybody. So why waste that time? So in that sense, it doesn't yeah. matter. I don't think the evening routine matters at all. No, I don't think it fucking, it it's literally they're on, they're on there the for phones. entertainment. 
Yeah, exactly. Now, and the pose down is always funny because people who have never been in shows or don't know enough about it, the pose down is literally to buy time to get the, yeah. the scores from the judging table to get them right so that they know they're not fucking anything up and then get them to the MC and in the meantime, slightly entertain the crowd. You know what? <laughs> I should have. I should have introduced this segment too for anybody who isn't familiar with our programming, Skip, that you've had a ton of judging experience. So you're not just saying what you think it is that you've had well, a ton of well, experience Scott, I've, yourself. I've so you've been the guy on too. your phone. You've you've judged as well. I didn't know that. Well, no, I just sit in the crowd and I judge oh. people. And in my defense, and, and, I have not judged recently, but I did judge quite a bit um, back in, you know, back in the day, I guess yeah. is a better way to put it. Yeah, but in, back in the early 90s, Skip, and I think all of us realized <laughs> this pro. as soon as you said it, that the judging is so simple. It's not, okay, side chest, who is the best chest or rear double bicep? Who's got the best biceps and back? Right. It's whose are your eyes drawn to the most yeah. in that lineup from the minute they come out? And I think to your point, Scott, like uh, I think you were saying about you know bad posing. Okay, let's say someone comes out and you just see they got flowing lats and they're in shape and they got the symmetry and they turn around from the back and they're squeezing their 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 traps together so hard so and their, their lats just go straight like down. This. Yeah. Yes, their back is just straight like this. There's no taper to it. There's no uh, flowiness to it. And you're like, the guy next to him can make himself look a lot better if he is a skilled poser. Maybe he's not as developed and maybe his symmetry isn't naturally as good. But if he can flare those lats and hit that pose just right, make yep. his waist look small and position his legs properly, he might look like the better guy in that lineup and it might influence a judge to say, you know what, like he got it. I totally, I totally agree with all the, all of that. And my point was, yeah, you know, when we were saying that if, if everything was equal, that, you know, if you were to have, you know, the better tan, you were to have the better presentation, the better, you know, you were shaved, whatever. And the guy, other guy wasn't, you know, if you just had that better presentation, then yeah, if all things being equal, then you are going to win. I think that my only point, and I segued though, was that, that at that novice level, Things are usually not equal. And then I segued into saying, I asked a judge about that one time, and that's what he told me. And, but I, I totally agree with you guys that, yeah, you can, they, you know, judges, judges are interesting because, like, okay, at the last show Andrea was at, um, one of the judges told her that she, you know, I, they gave her a couple critiques and a couple of them made a lot of sense. And they said, and you could have been a tiny bit leaner. Dude, I saw your girl. Like, there's no, no way in hell she could have been any leader. No, but you know what she could have been that day? She could have been a tiny bit fuller. Just a tiny bit. Oh, yeah. We're talking a couple percent, okay? And the judges, I think, sometimes the decisions they make or what they tell you, it's it's not it's not they don't they don't understand it. Honestly, and I don't mean to say I don't sometimes I think some of the judges, they're not dieting people. So all they know is what they see. And they're saying, like, hey, I'm not seeing what I want. And they're not they're not conveying it properly. You know what I mean? Well, let me let me add something to that. Does that make sense, though? Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Because I think that sometimes I've heard people get feedback that maybe isn't the best feedback because it's like, you know, I don't know. She didn't need to be. She didn't need to be leaner. I've heard other. I'm trying to think of other ones. I can't think of any of them offhand, but I've heard that before where somebody gets a critique that doesn't really apply because the judge didn't know how to articulate what they really need, what the person needed. 
Do you, do you think or the judge didn't know confused. how to do it? Do you think the judge was just literally like, oh, yeah, you need to be leaner because they say that to 20 other girls? That's a possibility right. too, isn't it? Yeah. I think that's more often the case because I know how many emails some of these top judges get at the national level. Yeah, and right. Because you see the same judges. I mean, I've been on the same you know flights with some of them. We're like, oh, you're going to uh, you know so-and-so state now? Hey, I'll see you there. You know? Yeah. If there's a thousand people in a show all looking for feedback and then the next weekend there's another national show and then they go and judge a little local show and even that has 300 people in it i mean the amount of emails they get for feedback and oh and then we're not even talking about the pros you know that are that are probably taking some priority yeah so i, I think a lot of time it's just like oh yeah you need to come in a little tighter and that was probably like because that's you know you're that's very possible yeah feel that it's mind, actually right? likely no. the re because there's so many like i said if you don't take good note and there's not a lot of time as a judge you are yeah. essentially, this is how we did it. We did the scoring in the morning, obviously for prejudging. Then we would make notes as lengthy as possible at night, but it is a bitch to keep track of all the numbers and all the competitors. And they would come up and talk to us sometimes after the show, if it was a smaller show yeah. and I say smaller, obviously not a national level, you know, show or something like that, or a big regional show. And you can't look at them when they come up to you in their clothes and know who they are. So if you yeah. fuck up a number or you fuck something up, you're going to give them feedback that doesn't have anything to do with them. The other thing mm -hmm. is, is and, and this is important. And this is just the truth. This is not, it's not any, anything a competitor wants to hear, but it's the truth. Sometimes you can't tell somebody you just weren't good enough. Yeah. He just, they just beat you. So you come up as judges, you have a conscience most of the time and you have to tell them something you have to get. They want something black and white when the answer isn't necessarily black and white. You can't tell someone you are not built for this. Your structure is just shitty. It's not good. And the person beat you on something you can't even change. You can't make your clavicles wider. I got your one. hips. You can't make more narrow. So just go home and take up another fucking sport and save your money. So you have to come or up take with it as things it is. that aren't exactly. I exactly. got one. And I was told that people don't want to hear that. I was told uh, you need to work on your peak, your bicep peak once. No. <laughs> I think they're telling you to Jimmy and Luke. Maybe you to yeah. up a little bit. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Basically, you're biased. I'm gonna go one step suck, further than you skip. Were I'm gonna I'm gonna go one step further than you skip and say I don't think in a lot of cases they even care. Um, they have so many competitors, so many shows, so much money rolling in that I just don't think unless there's someone that they see at the same national shows three or four times in a row who stands out listening to their advice stands out and they're good like they're top five every single time yeah i just don't think they care enough because it's a business at the end of the day right yeah i mean i can only imagine what they were making 10 years ago and what they were what they're making in 2021 now because oh, yeah. i mean I, I i went to what four four uh, six pro shows this year i went to four national shows the numbers are astounding okay oh, yeah, yeah. And, 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 the, the ticket sales, uh, the live streams, the amount of competitors. There were 1,700 buy-ins for the uh, Nor uh, North Americans this year. 1,700 at $350 a piece. Wow. Uh, that, that's a little less than half a million dollars. You know what I mean? My point is that I just don't – like. I'm sure they would want to care, but they're just like th – think about this. When you're so overwhelmed with work, you're just cranking through it. And I think to them, they're just cranking through the work. Yeah, I think that's it. You know what I mean? Yeah, if you do stand out, I think that's the thing. You've got to be good enough yes. where you're like, oh man, that yes. that guy catches your eye, you know. Yes. And you're like, he's oh on yeah, his way. all he She's needs is a little more quad sweep, you know, a little more that's, quad, a yeah. little more leg, you know. But if they're you stand be, out in the show, you're gonna have a prep guy typically 
who you're going to rely on and trust for the feedback anyway and not need yeah. it from the judges. I have found yeah. that the people who want the feedback from the judges are typically on the lower half of the placing, and they're the ones who get mm -hmm. lost in the shuffle because you don't have to pay that much. I hate to say it, but you don't have to pay that much attention to them because the difference is, and the reality is, the difference between ninth and 12th place doesn't matter a whole lot from a judging and show standpoint. It does to the competitor. I get that. But you, yeah. as a judge, if you fuck up 10th place versus 13th place, no one's coming after your ass. You'll fuck up second yeah. to fourth or second to fifth, and you're going to have to answer some fucking questions. They are clearly, the judges are clearly focused, more focused on those top competitors, and those people usually have prep guys that they trust for the feedback anyway. And the reality is, and I've, I've heard this before from judges that I know that I've, I've asked them for feedback, and they've said, listen, I'm not going to tell you anything you haven't already thought about yourself. I looked at yeah. you for one minute on stage. Mm -hmm. You're looking at you every day. You're analyzing yourself all off season. You know what your weaknesses are better than I. And obviously, it was That's a good friend reasonable. of mine too. That's yeah. if you're a reasonable person. Yeah. Because yeah. we know that there's plenty of people that they like. They got fourth place. They're like, you fucking see that shit? They, they didn't. They didn't give me the W. And you're like, yeah. Like you thought you were gonna win, dude. And they're like, look at me. And you're like, yeah, look at you. You know. I mean, I think we all have had plenty of either clients or even friends that kind of had that that attitude. I had a buddy one time that looked like seven weeks out, and he just thought being the biggest guy on stage. And this is an experienced competitor was always gonna do it for him. And he got like fourth place. And he asked. He texts me after the after prejudging. He's like, dude, where do you think they're, they're putting me? And I felt like being nice. I'm like, I think you're fighting for third, you know? And he's like, what? He's like, you don't think it's me and the other guy in one oh, or two? And I'm, like, and I'm like, bro, like, and this is a guy like 10 years older than me who I really liked a lot and respected. And I'm like, dude, like, no, like your condition just is so poor. Like I was leaner that day. Than the worst is, is that like, I was in my what, off season. You don't believe yeah. in me. That's the worst is that <laughs> you don't believe in me, Andrew. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yep. I, I, I mean, I believe the potential's there, but I believe you got more homework to do. You know, I'm gonna try to squeeze one more in because I know Andrew's got to go in a couple minutes here. So this is from Matt, also from Patreon, and I want to hear what you guys have to say about this. This is kind of open-ended thing. He says, "How do you deal with being burned out or overwhelmed by life and training?" I don't I, I know him. OK, and he sounds like he works a lot. I don't know how he is burnt out from training, but I, I can see he's burnt out from work. But we'll say, how, how do you deal with being burnt out? I think you just got to recognize it first and foremost and then plan accordingly. There's only so much stress your body can handle, whether it's work stress, training stress, relationship stress before it starts to dip into the negative for you. And, I, you know, I've used I've said this a couple of times in the past podcast, but like, you know, I got done my season this year. I took a look at my schedule looking forward. I knew I had a little bit of depression from Meadows passing away and what else was going on and, and work was piling on and travel. And I looked, I said, look, I can't train five days a week and progress. I'm going to train three days a week and I'm going to give everything I have for those three days. Yeah. And I'm going to really rest my body on, you know, the other four days during the week. Um, and then on top of that, it took also saying no to some people that wanted to work with me or saying, look, I'm going to have to move it back a, a good two or three months. If you're okay with that, I'll keep you on the list. But you know what I mean? Like just, just spacing out the work a little bit and taking some time for myself to kind of, you know, decompress a little bit. Now I understand not everyone is in a situation like, like we're very you know privileged with the, the careers and the jobs that we have where we can choose to say, Hey, I'll work with you, but not for two or three months. But maybe it just means in his case, if he has a boss, he just says, Hey boss, look, 
I'm beat up right now. Is there any way I can duck out early on Fridays? Or, you know, I just need a little bit of time for myself on Wednesdays. Is that cool? You know, and then find something relaxing or stress relieving that he likes to do and, and do it, actually stick to it. Um, but that would be my primary advice. I like that. What do you I've been there. Um, and I think that if you're burned out on life, typically you're burned out on your training too, because the training can become a chore or an obligation that you're not enjoying on others. You know, on the other hand, sometimes it can be an escape from the life that is stressful, but I'm going with him saying burned out, not stressful burnout to me, at least in my past situation. If I say I'm burned out, I am fucking done. I am at the end of my row. I'm like, I, there's a difference between stress. We all deal with stress. We all have to deal with shit. And yeah. if it's just stress, sometimes you just have to push through burned out though. I had it. What? Three, four years ago it was before, right before we moved and I just literally hung up my belt <clears throat> and didn't train for about 16 weeks. Didn't outside of my client work, I didn't do much in the, in the podcast and my writing. So basically my job, but as far as training goes, I just didn't even think about it. I ate what I want, when I wanted, if I wanted it, which for me is usually eating once, maybe twice a day. I just don't fucking eat when I, when I go into a mode like that. Uh, I'm not even really all that hungry. Body fat, uh, my composition went to shit. Literally looked like an average everyday guy. Uh, I don't have the genetics to hold. I'm not going to walk around three months later after not training and look like I am a bodybuilder that's just not as big as I was. I don't look like anything but an average guy uh, that's a little bit fat. So <clears throat> sometimes you just have to hang it up and sometimes you just have to go, you know what? Fuck this shit. You're bigger you than you think break. you are. Just to throw that out there. Yeah, well. I'm, you are. I, maybe. Maybe. You are. But, you know, it's just one of those things where, and again, that that's a good point. Let's say this. It's the perception of ourself and the expectations that we have for ourselves. Yeah. So in a situation like that, I do feel like just another guy walking yep. around. And it's almost kind of a, a bit of a shame, to be honest with you. Yep. It shouldn't be. But it is because you're so attached. It, I am. I'm not going to say you guys. You're attached to it. That's. That's a part, a big part of who you are and how you see yourself. And when you don't see yourself like that, then it does cut to your, you know, your self-esteem and how you feel about yourself. Can I ask you also, is, is some of that shame because you're like, well, I'm Skip Hill, prep coach. I've prepped 20,000 people by now or whatever. I've had 20 something years of training and all this gear and all this food. Like, and then, you know, like you said, th three months is all it takes to, to let this go to nothing. Is, is that kind of what you're talking I'll, about too? I'll actually answer it with this situation here. Imagine or this question. Imagine how I feel when someone comes into the gym into Titan because they're on vacation and I speak to them for two days and they don't know who I am until they put it together on the third day. And that's not a shot at them. All I'm saying yeah. is it, it's like, oh, fuck. Of course you don't because I'm dealing with an injury. I don't look like I normally do. Maybe the last time you saw me, it was a few years ago. Maybe I just fucking look older. It does cut to you because you have a... Uh, I speak for myself. I, I feel like I have this reputation, this thing that people expect from me because 98% of the time I'm walking the walk. And when I'm not, there is a little bit of, you know, why am I not? Yeah. And, and yeah. I feel like, you know, it's funny when you feel a certain way about yourself, you project that on other people and you feel that they feel the same way. It's much about not feeling big or not thinking that you're big or not in good shape. To the average person, you're still in good shape and you're in better shape than they are. But we're not average thinking people. We have high expectations and we want to be at that level. 
as often as we can be at that level. So yeah, absolutely it does for that reason. It's another part where <clears throat> it's difficult for me when it comes time to compete because I feel more pressure because I feel like more eyes are on me. They expect me to be conditioned, maybe not win, I'm a mediocre bodybuilder at best, but I'm still expected to do what I am known to do because yeah. that's what I do with other people. So I have felt that the last couple times that I had um, competed, and it does take a lot of energy to block that out and not be anxious about it. That's the reason I think that you need to hire a coach next time you, you diet. I really do. But, it's, but at the same time, I only one time for a prep didn't see, like worked too hard because I, I verbalized that to you that time. I beat myself up so bad, but it's the only I just time think, I've ever done that. But I feel like it. I, I, maybe maybe I shouldn't have said the word need. That it would be a like a huge it could it, be a benefit. I think yeah. it would, man. If if you could do it, you know what I mean. Like if you could do it, if you could like turn the reins I over. Could, yeah. I know you couldn't. That's why I'm only because I never only because I never have, and I take so much pride in in that that aspect of it. What I would be better at is having a trusted second set of eyes where I had to check in with them to make sure that I was seeing things the way I yeah. think I see them. But this last year in 2020, I was seeing everything. I felt fucking awesome. You and were on point on with everything. Shit, man. You probably could have competed. That's why it bothered me so bad. You probably could have competed before you know you the injury happened, even I bet. Possibly, but we all know how that goes. It wouldn't have been to the level that we would have wanted, so it would have been disappointed. Because I had thought about that, too. Remember, my dates got pushed back because of COVID. I remember. Otherwise, yeah. I would have been on stage. I only drug it out because I was forced to drag it out and slow down, and then shit goes south. But yeah. I'll be there. I'll be there. <laughs> so what I, I, I had suggested this to Matt, and it's something I'm, I started doing myself. It worked really good, was, um, it, you know, training for me is still really difficult. Like, I'll have... I'll have like two, three really good weeks and I'm feeling like, yeah, man, I'm getting back in a groove. And then I think what it is is something's wrong with my like my CNS, my SNS. That's what Ken Kanakin told me too. He was like, it's you're just shot still. Like you're in complete just fatigue mm -hmm. still. Cause I'll be feeling good and then I'll have like one killer workout and then I'm wrecked and yeah. I can't I can't eat or anything. So I think mm -hmm. what I started what I started doing that's working really good for me until I moved back to the US was upper lower body split. And I may do one exercise for chest, one for back, one for buys, one for tries, one for shoulders, not in that order. I do shoulders before buys and tries. Legs, do four exercises and that's it. Maybe I train every other day. Maybe I train two days on one day off. But no matter what, if I get in the gym three times, then I hit upper body twice. I hit lower body once and I know where Matt's at, and so that my suggestion to him was like, dude, this is working great for me, and I've suggested it to another guy too. It's like it just took so much pressure off of me from like mm -hmm. I got to maintain this because, man, before I got sick, I was pushing my heaviest weights ever. So instantly I'm thinking like, okay, I got to get back to that, you know, and I'm trying to do everything I've talked about in the last two years about like high intensity. I can't bring that high intensity. So I, you know, but I can do, I can do what I can do basically. And if I can get in the gym and I can get a workout in and I can get that little pump feeling and I get a sweat on and I get in that practice of making it a habit, then I'm more likely to be able to reap the, the positive day-to-day -day benefits of it. And I'm more likely to find, you know, that way it's not a chore, you know, like you were saying earlier, Skip, right. like it's not a chore that now it's a reward for, for going. So I think like, 
sometimes we can set our expectations up pretty high. Oh man, I got I have another guy. He's did really well this season, and then he of course dropped off post contest. Never competed before. Did very well, and uh, and now he dropped off, and he's he'll get back a hold of me every every few weeks. I'd be like, listen, man, I, I haven't been following the diet. I'm thinking, I know you haven't been following the diet or you would have been checking in. And, and I, you know, he just can't get back on. Like, just the idea of, like, I got to go back to those six meals a day. It's all got to be perfect. Why don't we just try, like, why don't you do, like, two meals a day and a couple shakes? Just commit to that for me this week. Let's see what happens. Do whatever you want for the rest of the day. But maybe you can trick yourself by starting there. Do whatever you want, but have a couple meals that are clean and consistent. Say six ounces of chicken, one cup of rice, and you know a couple of shakes, two shakes a day. And you know if you get another meal in there that's at Burger King, whatever. But let's like get those consistent things in, and then maybe we can build some momentum behind that. But it's like it to me even it gets so overwhelming when I'm like, yeah. fuck, I got to prep all this food and it's all got to be perfect, and meal two's got to be at 10 a.m. and then. You know, I got to have my cooler and all this shit. It's like, and I've got to beat that logbook. It's like, just back off. It doesn't have to be all that, you know, especially but if you're overwhelmed. that's how we're wired. I know. But that's how we're yeah. wired. The nature of what we do is so highly structured that without, it's all, you know, I laugh and say I'm 100% or nothing. A lot of people are like that. So to go 50%, shit, I'm not doing it either. <laughs> Tell me to eat two rice and chicken. I'm like, bitch, I'm not, I'm not eating anything. I'm not hungry. Fuck that shit. I'm not even drinking water. Sometimes yeah. I take a piss. I go, God, I got to drink some water. That's just not even right. So let me let me add something, though, that I think is important. When it comes to life, and people, I think, need to hear this more. I remind myself of this as much as I can. Really, life in general as an adult, it's pretty fucking stressful shit. There's a, take bodybuilding out of it for me. It's pretty stressful shit. Then you add high expectations on top of that, whether it's career or whatever the fuck you're doing, even, and then bodybuilding makes it worse. The higher your expectations, typically, the higher the stress level. Yeah. So it, people are dealing with a lot of shit right now. Then you throw things, not throw things, but you know, you have pandemic, you have financial potential problems. You are running a business. There's a lot of family, kids. There's a lot of shit. Life is fucking stressful. Bodybuilding can help to de-stress or it can just be one more thing that adds to your stress level and just mm, makes it yeah. just overwhelming, really. And there comes the burnout. So sometimes, the, that's why I say, sometimes the training is helpful and other times just fucking let it go, especially if you're not motivated. If you're not motivated, just get out. Because if you're out, you're probably gonna get motivated after a few weeks and go, yeah, this isn't fucking working. You'll be right back in. And if you're not, don't fucking fight it. Stay out. If, you, if you're passionate about it, you'll be back. You don't have to marry it and force yourself to do it if it's not enjoyable. All right. We know Andrew's got to get out of here, guys. Uh, we appreciate you hanging with us through the show. Go to bodyberry.com. You can reach out to Andrew there. Go to teamskip.com. Give Skip some shit. <laughs> it's good. You can do it. Uh, check out our sponsors, truenutrition.com. As always, they've supported our programming for so long now. You can get a lot of great supplements there, like MPA Muscle Intrusion, my favorite intro workout. Use our code THINK for some additional savings. Support our programming. Check out our new sponsor, uh, supplementsource.ca. Pick up a pack of that little foil pack of ephedrine for $3.95. <laughs> Plus, you get bulk discount discounts on uh, shipping. Uh, of course, Patreon. Thank you guys for all your Patreon questions. We appreciate you guys. You guys are making this thing happen. You can reach out to me, McNallyDiets at gmail.com. Gentlemen, always appreciate you. It was great that we could get together and do this. Always.
See you guys. If I can find the right mouse. There it is. This is awkward. Thank <laughs> you.